Thanksgiving. It is um, a great way to respond to Thanksgiving is in communion. And we just want to share a common table together as we enter a Thanksgiving season. Um, I did want to say as kids head out, if you want to share in communion with your kids, you're welcome to kind of pull them back. And if you want them to go to kid worship, um, send them on either way. We've kind of made that known all throughout the service we're sharing in communion. I, um, I want to read a single verse or two verses from the 15th chapter of Romans. And, um, and it's, uh, it's just some verses that I read. Our family was reading a chapter a day through the book of Romans. Uh, we're going to introduce in about two or three weeks just a reading plan for the entirety of this church so that families can read together. And I just highly encourage that if that's not a common practice of yours right now. Just grab a book of the Bible and read a chapter a day and engage in conversation with your spouse, with your kids, and um, I think that you'll find it life-altering. And uh, I was reading in the 15th chapter and just ran across a rubric, and um, I want to share it with you in light of the communion table and in light of who Jesus is. Um, as a part of this service, uh, Matt asked a little while ago, you know, what is it that um, you were just grateful for, thankful for, what... Um, as we think of the punishment that brought us peace that's upon Jesus? Um, how is it you're just kind of liberated from your sin and shame because he bore that? I, I was sitting and he was like, what are you thankful for? And I'm, I'm just sitting and thinking in light of Ephesians 1, um, Jesus, I don't know what I'm not thankful for. You know, I'm, I'm just going to jump into chapter 2 in Ephesians and just go, okay, I'm thankful, Lord, that I am not dead in this service right now, spiritually. I am thankful that I was made alive through Jesus Christ and that the blood of Christ has um, redeemed my soul. And so I'm really grateful for that. I'm so thankful that I was adopted into the family of God for the purposes of his good pleasure. I'm, I'm just kind of going, Lord, I don't know what you, um, I don't know what all you can handle as my heart just kind of regales toward you, the goodness. God, I'm thankful that before you ever adopted me, before you ever formed any portion of this earth, before the foundations of this earth was laid, you knew who I was. You knew when we would place me, you would place me here. And for your glory and by your grace, you have done that. I'm thankful that the Lord has no surprise that I am before the foundations of the world, set apart in Jacksonville, in Aberdeen, and with Mandarin for the sake of the glory of Christ. That's where I live, my neighborhood. I'm just grateful for that. I'm, there's nothing surprising to the Lord. And so I, I just went on and on. I hope you did as well. I was sitting in our room on Wednesday night at the night of thanks, and um, I just was thinking, God, what have, you, what have you given me to rejoice over? And I walked out um, Wednesday night just thankful for this church. I, don't, I, I think I more fully understood the glorious mystery of the church Wednesday night. If you weren't hap able to be at the night of thanks, it was that. I mean, we celebrated the gospel in this past year through this church um, being delivered to 11 different nations through Mandarin. Actually, eight nations and three states in this um, United States. It was beautiful. We, I mean, we celebrated um, a preteen who stood with a mom, not hers, but another, who stood with a grandmother and just shared of what it meant to be a multi-generational church as we speak and declare back and forth the wonder of our God. And I, I just was thankful going, Lord, I love the glorious mystery of your church. It's just beautiful. And so we, we want to come around the communion table, just generations making declarations. The grandmother just said in that minute of sharing that um, 
that, that her first adventure to another nation was at 65, and that grandmother's in the room right now, and I love that because I had um, multi- three conversations after that gathering that just said, I kind of have written off an adventure, you should know this, I've written off an adventure because I thought I was past that, and maybe I'm not. I was just going, Lord, this is so good. Like what, I love the question, you know, God, what have you done faithfully in 2018? I love the adventurous question. What are you going to do in days ahead? I love that we wrestled with, and you're going to watch this um, next weekend as we pray and prepare, and we begin to share with you actually two weekends from now, a vision for 2019 as it affects our families across this church and the word of God alive and well among us. I love that we're saying to the Lord, we want to make space for you to be yourself, space for your glory to be made known, and space for you to capture our hearts. That's, that moved me. And I, I, I enjoyed a story of, of one of ours in this past year, actually three years ago, um, stepping out in faith. And here's what I believe about faith. Um, just as Miss Margaret said, I took my first adventure at 65, and Pawnee said, I leapt out of faith in weakness and, and completely on a sense of, of, inadequacy and the Lord has been faithful it was beautiful Wednesday night to see seven eighth grade girls seven eighth grade girls stand up and share testimony of how one person's faith has ignited their faith I mean it was it was just a beautiful night and I was so grateful for that and I'm thankful for what God is really planting in our heart for um for our fellowship that we are generations declaring the redemptive story of God in every single day of our lives this is who we are, and we're saying, Lord, this is, this is normal for us. And if, if God has his way, and we gather at the, commun- at the communion table and just pray this, God, if you have your way, I really think this is what church looks like. It looks like a slew of people who are saying, Lord, we want to liberate you. Make space within our hearts for what you want from us. Make space within our hearts for all that you intend for us. And it really, it really was a night of thanks, and I really do want to share in this moment Thanksgiving. I um, do not intend to take and um, teach this passage this morning. I do fully intend. Right now I'm intending to have this be a message for us, a sermon, a thought rubric, if you will, um, for a day ahead, a single sermon, but I'm feeling like it's going to break out into between four and 27 messages. As I was reading through the book of Romans, if you've never read through the book of Romans before, um, I encourage you, please do that. Um, More revivals have been sparked across the Christian faith by the reading of the book of Romans than any other letter. And it's just an amazing book, and I've reached the 15th chapter, which is the next select chapter, and it's really just this convicting, convincing moment of, of, Lord, this is beautiful work that you were doing as you not only are exploding in the hearts of, of the Jewish believers in Jesus, but God, you're doing something miraculous. You are exploding in the hearts of Gentiles as well. And, and where there has maybe, there's, there's this p- position and posture of, of potential for disharmony. Oh, holy God, I want to see you bring harmony and bring beauty and wonder to the body of Christ because the body of Christ is intended to be generations declaring these stories of the goodness of God. And as we come to this table, I I just am praying that God will bring us to a table of unity and community, of faith and joy and wonder. And as I was reading again in Romans, the 15th chapter, I just want to read what he wrote. He was just saying to the people, this is to build you up. Christ was about this. He was about just receiving insult and being united. And then in verse 4, he says, 
in Romans 15, 4, for whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction. And here's why. So that we could have hope. And as a people filled with hope, we will have endurance. And our endurance will come through the encouragement of the Scripture. And now may the God who gives endurance and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another according to Christ Jesus so that you can glorify God in the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and you can do this with one mind and one voice. I'm just reading this and some of my kids are having a dialogue with me about it and I'm rereading this and I just kind of fell into this little rubric and it's, it can come up if it does, but I just begin to recognize that there's this reality that walks through of a life of a believer in the life of a church, that we're a people of great hope. Like really, we did the whole message, come hope with us, and we're a people with extraordinary hope because we're a people of, of Christ alone as the centerpiece of who we are. And, and here's what I was interested in reading because um, in Romans, the fifth chapter, he tags hope as the byproduct of all kinds of difficulties and challenges and character building and all that. Here he predicates hope as the beginning point. And if you are a people of hope, you will endure. And so out of hope flows endurance. The people who are just standing in the middle of the winds of life going, here's what I want you to know as everything comes my way. I am eternally hopeful in Jesus. And therefore, temporally, I am walking through what may be savage issues, but I have hope in Christ. And therefore, I will endure. And that, that's a, a powerful stepping rubric. And out of that hope and endurance, do you want to know how you have endurance? It's again, a rubric, just a pattern for walking in line with who Jesus is and in harmony with one another. The reality and the passion for endurance comes from the truth of Scripture being deeply seated in your life. And so you will hope and endure because the Word of God is the centerpiece of the story of your life. It is, this is straight out of this passage as I'm reading this. I don't have any vibrant new thoughts. God, I hope and I endure because your truth is what saturates my soul. And this is where I began to be undone just a little bit. And it says, a byproduct then, the immediate byproduct and the immediate representation in Scripture of why we should gather at this table, the immediate byproduct of a person who has hope, who endures, and who is filled with Scripture is that they live in harmony with one another. And here's why. It is for the glory of the cross. I, did, I don't think I included that in my little hope, and I have arrows, and I don't know where my arrows went, but I have little arrows pointing next. This is like, this isn't a comma, this is an arrow. So if you're a note taker, this is an arrow. I have hope because I hope in Christ. I endure because I have hope. I endure and I have hope because the scripture is the foundation of my life. I endure and I have hope out of the foundational point of scripture. Therefore, I am in harmony with my brother and sister. And because I am in harmony with my brother and sister, because of the truths of the scripture of the gospel, because of the hope of the gospel, and I am enduring in that, Jesus Christ is glorified. Welcome to the table of communion. And so here's where I began to wrestle, and this is my own personal life, and I'm journaling this out, and so you're welcome to join me in your own journaling now. But where I am in seasons of disharmony, 
I am not sitting and going, why am I at disharmony? I am not venturing back to that because that's not my role. I am venturing back to Scripture and asking the Lord, where am I in disharmony with you? Where am I failing to hope in you? Why am I not enduring in this circumstance? And oh Lord, I pray that you will bring unity. And I'm not referring solely to disharmony um, with one another. I'm referring to any points of disharmony. God, I am, I am having not harmonious walk with you. God, I am captured and enthralled by this sin, this shame, this distraction, this gig. Lord, this is disharmony. The answer to that is return to Scripture. To return to Scripture is to return to the endure. It's just backing up your life. So, I mean, literally, if you're, this is a calling of the communion table. If you are sitting in this room and you are struggling with disharmony with the Lord, the Scripture tells us in this manner, if you're in disharmony with Christ or your brother or sister, settle that at the communion table because this is the place of harmony. It's at the body and blood of Christ. And that's why it's such a beautiful thing to say, Lord, I love church. It is a generational wonder as we declare the redemptive story of Christ on everyday mission. And in case you've missed the scriptural reality that it matters, it says here, and out of this there will be the glory of God and the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it will amplify with one mind and one voice. Can you imagine? Okay, I've been in church life for um, 40, 52 years now. Um, I, I, would, I can imagine and dream the Holy Spirit working in such a way that, that a body of believers worked with one mind and one voice. Because we are submitted to the Spirit of Christ. And we are fully reckoned to Him. So when Jesus invites us to this, this place of hope, can you imagine reading in the pages of the New Testament with Him in this moment, this impact? Every person gathered at the table was significant. I really don't want you to think like some past event. I really want you to look around this room and you're going to walk forward in about five or ten minutes with the entirety of this body and we're going to celebrate in unity and every person at this table truly and definitively mattered to the heart of Jesus and therefore mattered to one another. They they, they had this profound impact, the sacrificial death and the glorious resurrection of Jesus as he was leading them in communion. And as they then began to carry on in communion, the death and the resurrection of Jesus was the central story and the uniting force of the body of believers. This wasn't simply an old story, but it's, it's a story. We... I really felt um, wonder as we sat. I almost felt the communion table. And I've looked back on Wednesday night and had this sense of, Lord, I think that you just wanted us to gather at your table. And while we didn't actually bring out a cracker and a cup, we sat in communion and shared life together and shared your stories together. And Lord, I think this looks like what you intend God, you have been faithful. I, I went and took some more pictures today. Um, we just shared, as already been mentioned, the um, beauty of what it meant to be a part of this church in this past year. And, and these are some of the red. God, what have you done faithfully? These are some of the red cards that went up the, uh, went up the stairwell. These are our stories as a church. Um, we've been able to see multiple students come to know Jesus this year. That's hanging on the wall. These are good amen moments. I was a part of the Good Shepherd Medical Center team and children's home, and it was just wow. Um, I, God is revealing to me an amazing church family, and I'm so thankful to be a part. 
I was cured of cancer this year. I've seen our students grow, and I've seen their faith embolden. Glory to God. I have a family. As we gather at this table, just let that ring in your heart. I have a family. My six-year-old is retelling truths of the scripture to our family. God led me and the Miami team to go, and we went, and we shared the message of Christ. Amen. I love this one. I am so thankful in 2018 for my son's salvation. I am so thankful in 2018 that God has moved in our hearts to lead to someone else having family to be foster parents. I am so thankful on another one that my son has answered God's knock and said, yes, come in. So what are we praying for in 2019? Well, the first one I read is God is creating space in our hearts, in our home. This is another one, different handwriting, to become a foster family. I'm praying that 2019 will be a year that we are saturated with the presence of Christ as a church. I'm praying that every member, and if you're a part of this fellowship, this is you, that every single person will be able to identify, I'm adding words to it, but this is what they're saying, every single person will be identify their ministry in 2019. Every person in our church, when you cut them, they, you will find they bleed this. That'd be beautiful. In 2019, I want to get out of middle school. <laughs> I like that one. That's good. It's a great goal. Uh, in 2019, our yes is on the table. I'm just waiting for my family's next yes. In 2019, we pray that Jesus is first for us to be passionate about him. Oh, I should finish this because I think it's affected this room this morning. Um, for us to be more passionate about him than we are about our favorite football team. No, uh, no thorns strong, just uh, receive that as you will. <laughs> would increase my level of engagement in the work for the Lord. So there's every person as a ministry. I want us to continue and increase our passion for missions. This is awesome because we're introduced this two weeks. I want my family to share devotions, and I want that to be a priority. For my family's relationship with God to strengthen and to grow deeper. I love this one. Salvations of my neighbors. That's what I'm praying for in 2019. Just, just we gather at this table, we're gathering as a family, and that's one-twentieth of what's hanging on the wall. We're gathering as a faith family with extraordinary hope. Some of us walking in enduring situations. We're enduring not because of our strength and fortitude, but because of our strength and fortitude. His name is Jesus. We're in harmony with one another, and I love the idea of harmony because it's not a melody. It's not just a harmony. It's different. If it's different vocalizations, it's different. It's harmonious. It's glorious. It's beautiful. And we're in harmony with one another, singing our part, and yet a part of the unity of the body. That's who we are as a body of believers. And we're breaking the bread and receiving the body of Christ, and we're doing this in thanksgiving, in intimacy, and through remembrance, saying, Lord, we know you. We know you, and you are well known among us. We're called to this table to fellowship, to receive and to know him. Imagine the early church and what this meant to them. When they gathered with a few people and they shared their mission and what they held as common. 
Imagine sitting around this table, and, and I felt this again on Wednesday evening, and I want to experience this every time we gather, where our lives are being shaped just as all of us are being shaped in the image of Christ. Imagine this, and Miss Margaret, this is one of your favorite words, kind of adjusted it a little bit, but imagine the soul provision that happens when we gather in unity and in harmony around the table of Christ. Imagine the provision for our soul and our care for one another as we are soul conscious. As we gather, we are gathering because of our belief and passion for Jesus You are taking this bread and you are partaking of this wine in remembrance of the body and the blood of Christ. As the church gathered, they gathered in the midst of persecution. They gathered, um, they gathered at the table of the early church in the book of Romans. They would gather at the table and truly they would gather with endurance and they would gather with scripture filling them and they would gather bearing the marks of the faith. They would gather, having been persecuted for the faith in manners that we can't imagine, they would gather with chairs that were empty because they were persecuted to the point of death. And they would gather together and look at one another, and we share this in common, this body and this blood of Christ. It is the unifying presence of who we are, and we are in harmony because of the body of Christ. Jesus was broken so that our lives could be found in him. And here is the beauty of what we learn in the scripture and in the call to the table. We do not walk alone. We do not walk this alone. We walk in hope, with endurance, steeped in scripture, and together there is sweet harmony in this room. Communion was intended so that we would remember the body and blood of Christ. And maybe, maybe we would forget some things of disharmony. And we would come together and say, Father, it is your body, it is your blood, it is your glory, it is your story. We gather to willingly and gladly proclaim this, I will follow you, Jesus. I'll follow you in the mystery. I will follow you for who you are. I will hope in you. This shared table is not just about intimacy with Christ, but it's about intimacy with one another as well. You have to remember that before they seated themselves at the table, Jesus had just washed the feet of the disciples, and he had commanded them to love one another as I have loved you. There's the harmony. There's the beauty and the wonder. And then he invited them, share in this moment. It's a moment of remembrance. And I ask this question not lightly. Are we willing to love those in this room in the same manner as Christ loved his people? It's not a lighthearted question. It's a highly biblical question. Are we willing to love those in this room, to wash the feet of those in this room, to walk about in harmony with those in this room in the same manner as Christ loved his people? This sounds crazy and it sounds impossible, yet it's exactly what Jesus, what he modeled and what he asked for his church. For those in this room that don't know Christ yet, I would pray as we share in this communion table that it would be obvious to you that there is two levels of love that are happening in this room. There is a love of God in Christ that is, that is inexplicable, that it's shared among us as we come to the table of remembrance. And there is a love for one another 
that cannot be explained. That's my prayer. We're called to the communion with Christ, and that communion carries us to his cross. We're called to communion with Christ, and that communion carries us to his cross. And Galatians says, in that place, there is no other boast except the cross. There is no other glory except the glory of the glorious one, the living Jesus Christ. So we come to this table with this one boast. May I boast in the cross. For in the boasting of the cross, the world dies to me, and I die to the world. So Lord, I boast in the cross. As the scripture said, as we lift up the name of Jesus, it draws men and women to himself. Perhaps that is the one thing that is lifted up among the body of believers, and perhaps that is why we gather in remembrance often. Is to say, Lord, we lift high the cross, and we gather around the cross. So in preparing for communion, we are in this. We do not walk alone. I look at the faces of friends in Mandarin, and we've endured. We're strengthened. We are bold. We're a people of faith. We're adventurers in that faith. In all of our hard, in all of our fears, in all of our challenges, in our joy, Jesus sustains. He is the bread of life. He's given us himself, our daily bread. He has given us our life. His grace lives among us, and we gather at his table as a people of great hope. And I would pray this for you. I pray that your hope will endure. I pray that your endurance will be birthed out of the truth of Scripture. I pray that your Scripture will bring about harmony in the body of Christ. And I pray that that harmony will bring glory to King Jesus. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to share together in communion. Our band is coming even as I speak, and they're going to be singing over us a song entitled Remembrance. This table, if you're a guest in our worship today, we share an open table for all who believe and have received Christ. So you're welcome at this table if you're a follower of Jesus. We're going to share a communion in this way. We have um, a few different ways that we actually partake of the body and blood symbolically of Jesus. Today we're going to have some of our leaders here in the front. And we just invite you to move. There's something powerful as I read through Scripture about moving. Whether it be to stack some stones and say, Jesus, we remember. Or whether it be that we lift um, holy hands as we have bowed heads before the King. Saying, Lord, we come and we partake of this with, with the weightiness of what it calls for. So at each section of our church, we will have two people there gathered at the front. One will hold a plate of crackers. They represent the body of Christ. One will hold a cup of juice. It represents symbolically the blood of Jesus. I want to invite you, if you're sitting in any section, to come out to your right. We'll begin at the front and then enter in to your left. And we simply want this to be a sacred, harmonious, Jesus-glorifying moment. If you're unable to move, I will be standing here at the front, and if you would simply raise your hand, I will gladly, joyfully come and serve you, communion. There are some that don't have the mobility to come forward. 
we have the unity of the body and blood of Christ. Please just wave at me. I will be looking for you. Jesus, I thank you for the privilege and honor of sharing in this moment, this sacred moment of the calling of the church to remember the power of the cross, the wonder of our salvation, the beauty of who you are, Jesus. We love you. So Lord, we, we celebrate you this morning. We worship you this morning. We share in communion with you this morning. You are good, Lord. You are good. And we praise you in worship. As we um, share in this moment, those who are closest to the front, if you are willing and ready, just simply begin to move forward to the person in your section. And we will just make our way toward the back of the room. Jesus, we love you and worship you. Amen. Thank you, Lord.